Welcome to the Exit Coach Radio Show, the show for baby boomer business owners who are looking for cutting-edge information as they plan their 3- to 10-year business succession and exit. Every week, we interview top professional advisors for their best tips, strategies, and precautions so you can be well-planned. And don't miss our one-minute Exit Coach Tip of the Day on ExitCoachRadio.com. And now, here's your host, the Exit Coach, Bill Black. Well, hello, everyone. Thanks so much for joining us today. Pleasure to have you with us, as always. My guest today is Catherine Halpin of the Halpin Companies in Phoenix, Arizona. And let me tell you a little bit about Catherine. She is in the business of accelerating accelerating the growth of companies before, during, and after transitions and transactions. And she's going to talk about the three keys to accelerating growth quickly and sustainably today. Catherine, welcome to the show. Thanks for joining us. Thank you so much, Bill. It's an honor and a privilege to be with you today. Well, thank you. It's a pleasure to have you, and uh, I really look forward to this discussion. Uh, Before we get into that, uh, tell us a little bit about you and your background and how you uh, started the Halpin Companies. Well, I grew up in Mississippi where I'm a fifth-generation entrepreneur. I was able to escape from Mississippi a long time ago, and I've been in Phoenix, Arizona the last 25 years. My dad was a CPA, but his um, grandfather and great-grandfather had owned, they had been really uh, industrialists, owned lots of different kinds of companies, plantations, steamboats, retail stores. And um, so I'm an entrepreneur at heart, and I became a CPA, like, my dad was, and I was always frustrated that nobody was ever talking about the people issues. So in 1995, a lifetime ago, I founded the Halpin Companies to consult with companies to help them get the right people in the right roles focused on the right strategic initiatives. And I just by accident fell into the exit planning because uh, people that I networked with and that I knew in the community, they're like, oh, we need you over here in our company because if we don't do something, we're going to go out of business when the founder retires or dies so i've been doing this work now for 23 years time flies doesn't it (laughs) yes but it doesn't feel like work it feels like having important conversations with important people so you it it, you are having the most important conversations because a lot of people get to the point where they say they want to exit they go to a valuation person or a business broker and they say you mean that's all it's worth so mm-hmm. they they need to accelerate that growth before uh, and make their business more valuable so they can retire in style um and so right. that's what that's where you come in right right exactly help them uh, often double or triple the value of the company but sometimes with the right team we can accelerate it by a factor of 5 or even 10 so if they have a wow. million dollar company we can make it 10 million if they got a 10 million dollar company we could make it 100 million potentially so what is the number one thing that business owners can do to accelerate the growth of their company before they prepare for a sale? Well, they have to get the right people in the right roles because if they don't have the right people at every level in the organization and they don't have strong teams that are working in a collaborative manner, then they really don't have an asset. There's nothing there to sell. So we have to get the right people in the right roles and we have to get them um, on strong, effective teams where they're collaborating and communicating and where there's processes and systems. It's no different than what Michael Gerber says in the e-book. You know, if, with the, without the processes and the systems, 
uh, you got nothing. But I say before you even have the processes and systems, you've got to have the right people with the right mindset, the right sense of personal responsibility, the right skill set, the right attitude. And that's where I come in. And in many cases, uh, uh, do you come across owners who are who think, well, nobody can replace what I do, um, and, and are they heading for trouble with that mindset? Yes, most of founders. I mean, I think that, too, as a founder of my own firm. It's human nature to think that it's a combination of our ego and our self-confidence that gave us the ability to grow these companies in the first place. But I invite them to consider playing a bigger game. If they're always going to be the man or the hub of the wheel, then they don't really have an asset. So if they want to have a legacy with their company and their employees, they want those employees to um, retain these good jobs and they want the impact they have on the community to stay in this community and not be sold to somebody in you know Cincinnati or wherever, then they have to be focused and disciplined starting today. They can't. Um, but but often when I in, in, invite them to you know to play a bigger game, people are inspired by that. Yes, I want to have a legacy. Yes, I want this company to continue. And so they'll still get into their ego state or you know get back into the wrong role, being the hub of the wheel. But then we just keep nudging them. Well, don't forget, you said you want to play a bigger game. This you know this action today is not going to get you there. So uh, how and when? Uh, do they start doing that? How do they tackle that uh, that task? It sounds like a tall order for for most people. Yeah, it's a tall order. Well, it takes a team. It ta- I'm often brought in by the CFO because the CFO, I, you know, as a former accountant, I'm partial to the CFOs out there, and I think they do see things more quickly because they're looking at the numbers, they're seeing the patterns and the trends. So often the CFO will see it first, and then they'll say, we have to do something, we have to find somebody to help us. Um, but then then I can't be there all day, every day. I'm not an employee. Me and my colleagues in the helping companies, we're just consultants. So we're in and out, you know, two or three times a month at the most. So it takes the team, the the, the current um, leadership team has to buy in and has to, you know, I call it holding their hand. We have to hold their hand and make it safe and comfortable for them. And what I find the two things that um, – are required in order to get somebody to to let go, and this is in any size company, uh, not just an entrepreneurial company, is they have to have assurance that their high standards are still going to be met, like as if I was going to do it myself, and they have to have mm-hmm. assurance that they have to have assurance that they're going to be kept in the loop. And you just think about your own uh, financial planning firm and wealth management firm. You need to be in the loop as you delegate and let go and train other people to replicate the same experience with your clients. So those are not difficult things to put in place, but it does require everybody to get in the same mindset. Yeah, they they want to they want to continue to to feel relevant. They just need to change their role at some point. How soon do you think, in advance of a of a sale or a transition, that they should be working on that uh, that uh, as a task? Well, I think I heard you say um, on the radio before that you like to people to start at five years. I don't think ten years is too soon because we don't know where that next layer of leadership is going to come from. It might not come from the existing team. They might not have the personal or professional maturity. It might come from the summer intern or maybe two generations from now that summer intern will be a CEO. So we need to have time to evaluate people at every level and give them opportunities to step up and collect all those data points 
I ask people to act like they're a scientist running a series of experiments. They, they, based on the information they have, they form some theory or some premise, and then they conduct a series of experiments with everybody in the company, and they just see who steps up and who demonstrates the professional maturity and the personal maturity to lead. And then we get figure out what their strengths are and get them in a role that's aligned with those strengths. Yeah, that's that's uh, it's a good it, it's not, but it is <laughs> because how <laughs> one of the questions how how in the world do you know if you do or do not have the right people in the right roles and focused on the right priorities? Where do you, where do you start with that? Well, uh, how you'll know you don't have them is if your revenue is not growing, if your profits are not growing, if your shareholder value is not growing, then that's a key indicator. And that's a easy to know because you have that. And then other key indicators are, are cycle times improving and getting condensed. Are we getting smarter about building our widgets and selling those widgets? Um, and are we in compliance with our industry standards? If you have all those things, if your shareholder value is growing, your revenues and profits then must be growing, and if you're in compliance with the industry standards and you're reducing cycle times because you're making continuous improvements, then uh, you then you know that you're you're got the right people in the right roles. But if any one of those things is not in place, then you've got to look at that area of the organization and say, okay, okay, I got to put these people on the step up or step out program. I like that. You know, I I run across a lot of situations where it's like a game of catch. A father wants to pass the business on to his son, for instance, and he says, "I'm going to throw you the ball, and you got to catch it and throw it back." And he throws right. the ball, and the son the son never catches it. He just doesn't. In other words, he's not getting the knowledge. He's not getting the fact that he needs to get yeah. fired up. Because in a lot of these businesses, the the patriarch is the chief. In some cases, the chief face of the company, the the, the chief right. uh, business getter. That's right. So what, oh yeah. So what happens oh, if, yeah. if your if your family uh, your family business target of of owner transition isn't demonstrating? Can can that be changed, or I mean, can can a person can Certainly. a leopard change its spots? Yes, I do believe a leopard can change their spots, and it's all in the context that you give them. So, you know, maybe a, um, you know, some, somebody still in their 20s or 30s might not have the personal maturity to step up and drive that business um, at the same level that their parent has and might not have the um, just the, the fortitude. But if the parents sit down and have, you know, a come-to-Jesus conversation and say, you know, you can either, you know, be a playboy your whole life or you can take this asset that we've grown over the last 40 years and you could – exponentially grow it you have to decide but we have to know quickly and then if the if the next generation doesn't want to step up and of course you still run all the experiments with them too because they might not they're most likely not going to have the same strengths as the parents but they might have better strengths or other strengths or different strengths that would add even great value. Like maybe the the father, the original entrepreneur, was a salesperson. That's how he grew the company. But now maybe this guy is more like an engineer, more reserved, more quiet. But guess what? He could fine-tune the widgets and make a faster, better widget. And then he could hire a sales team. So And he could hire a COO. So... Um, we saw about finding the you know what are people's strengths and giving them permission to get in the right role. We can't make people be just like us. 
all we can do is invite them and inspire them to want to step up, find their strengths, and align their job. And then we can, once we know that, then we can figure out what the rest of the organization needs to look like. And if a child just doesn't have any interest, um, then I'm a big pr- proponent of selling to the employees because you know those people. And then, you know, the, the other option, of course, is to sell to an outsider, which is, I mean, it happens every day with all these baby boomers. It's it's a robust method, and so there's nothing wrong with that method if the first two don't that, work. That's that's just great advice, uh, Catherine, that, you know, it, the the person that you're handing the ball to doesn't have to be like you, uh, but they do have to have business owner uh, an idea of what it takes to to build a business and run a business. Right. They can always find people that complement whatever their skills are. But uh, it's it's great advice. Now you have a, a success story of a company that went from eight million in revenue to twenty five million. I am dying to hear that. Yeah. Okay. Well, this is the individual that invented the. Uh, well, he didn't invent the phrase, the step up or step out program. He invented the program, and then I gave it the name. So this was an individual that had founded an accounting firm on the East Coast. And I knew his CFO. We had grown up together, and she brought me in um, because she said when he goes, when he retires or dies, he's still bringing in 80% of the work, and so we're going to go out of business. We're not going to be able to hold this together. And so I invited him to consider his legacy, and he loved that, and he wanted to uh, leave a strong legacy. He was highly motivated, very community-oriented individual. And so I knew it would be he would be motivated by leaving that legacy. And now that doesn't mean he was perfect, but um, he – he, I said, when, how often do you meet with your, uh, you know, your managers and supervisors that are actually doing the work, the tax returns, the financial plans, the audits? Uh, he had 22 of those people in his firm. I said, how often are you meeting with those people? Well, well, I never meet with them. They're idiots. Why would I meet with them? <laughs> and I said, well, Bob, you got, you got to meet with them. <laughs> They're the future of the firm. So he set up, he got his assistant to set him up. There were 22, so he had 11 on one Monday afternoon and the other 11 in 30-minute increments. That's all he was going to invest in each of them. And, of course, he couldn't get to 11 people in one afternoon because some people took an hour, hour and a half. But within 90 days, six of those 22 people had wonderful job opportunities in places like Toledo, Ohio. They they went to work for um, one of their client companies or their spouse had a promotion across the country or they wanted to be closer to family. They all had valid reasons, and they left with their head held high and their dignity intact. But they saw that Bob was now engaging them in a way they didn't want to be engaged. They didn't want to be accountable to Bob to get the audits done more quickly or more systematically or to meet the client's expectations sooner. So then um, that left um, 14, no, 16. And then over the next year, two of his senior people, very senior people, one had been with him since the beginning of the firm, um, came to him and said, Bob, you know, I'm not really not good in this uh, uh, people leadership role. I can't really lead these teams. Why don't you let me be the subject matter expert in these areas of corporate tax? And then the entire firm can come to me when they have a tax situation. That's a full-time job because we have so many clients with these tax issues. And we said, perfect. And then the other one came back and said, you know, I'm, you promoted me to manager and my next promotion would be to partner, but I'm not really good at manager. I'd rather go back and be the 
supervisor. I, I like that job. I was good at that job. Let me take a step back. And he knew that Bob would treat him fairly with his compensation. He might not be able to ever get to the partner level of compensation, but he wasn't. Gonna, he knew he wasn't going to have to take a cut. So then that left 14 of these senior managers and supervisors, and they're the ones that grew the firm to $25 million. They were smarter, more technologically advanced. They had ideas. And so by meeting with Bob regularly, even if it was only once a month, they had a chance to say to Bob, hey, I was thinking we could, you know, get our, you know, upgrade our software and get it to do this instead of that. And so they just got uh, – and then they started um, – getting bigger clients. So uh, when, when Bob and I first started working together, I helped him stratify all the clients and figure out which ones were eligible to have him be you know, the review partner and the partner in charge and the face of the firm. And we, we cut that off, this line of demarcation. That line went up by a factor of 25 by the time wow. um, we finished because the, they were getting bigger clients. Yeah, right. Bigger, Bigger right. engagements, yeah. So, yeah, so, so it, it's fascinating, you know. But it comes down to the fact that a lot of business owners that we work with that are talking about exit planning are tired, and they they feel like they're they're in the last two miles of a long marathon, mm-hmm. and it takes someone like you, Catherine, to come in and say, Look, "Hey, hey, Bob, we're not going to walk to the finish line, are we? We're going to run. Right. We're going to we're going right. to get reengaged in this business." And we're going to push hard because there's only two miles of the race left. Let's go. That's right. Well, and part of my methodology, you know, a CPA has to have a methodology. So when I started doing this work, I developed a methodology. Part of that, a key piece of that, is everybody doing more to invest in themselves. So Bob was playing more tennis as we were going through these difficult conversations because um, I had told him up front, you got to. So every getting out of the office early every Tuesday afternoon, say at 3.30 or 4, to play a couple of rounds of tennis, that gave him a broader perspective, a more balanced perspective, even when he wanted to sabotage himself by going back into that role of being the man and being the problem solver, um, he would catch himself. He'd say, no, no, I don't want to do that. I want to have a big legacy. So, yes, they're tired. <laughs> My dad died at 55. He was so tired. And that that's what inspires and motivates me to fix this situation because – we, I mean, you know, we don't want people to die at 55 years old. That's just way too young. So they have to take better care of themselves. They have to get out in nature. They have to get their heart rate elevated on a regular basis. All that helps them think about things from a bigger, broader, more balanced perspective. Yeah, the first part of recreation is recreate. So that that's a good point. Yeah. And, you know, that, that's the benefit of, of this uh, type of planning is a lot of times – it comes to light that they're just running the business. They're putting too much pressure on themselves. They need to delegate more. They need to be more of a part-time uh, chief, uh, uh, part-time CEO right. instead of an overtime president of their business. Right. And, uh, you know, exactly. I, I would imagine you come back to a lot of times to people several months later, and they're going, "Hey, I'm really enjoying myself now. It's just, it's a whole new yeah. ball game." I, and, yeah, that's great. And then it allows them to it allows them to work longer. There's not there's no fire drill now to sell their company because they're enjoying work in a way they haven't you know maybe in twenty five or thirty years because well, they you know have uh, more balance. It, that's a great story and it really illustrates the points well. Share uh, with our listeners if you would uh, a couple brief tips, ideas, or precautions uh, that they can they can walk away from this uh, this interview yeah. with. 
Well, all my clients have to be willing to take personal responsibility because that's the key to get everybody to step up. If you go to somebody and say, what were you thinking, you idiot, then they're only going to defend and justify and rationalize. So you have to be willing to say, oh, I'm so sorry, Betty Sue, that you weren't successful on that project. I can see now that I should have been meeting with you more regularly and take that responsibility. And then Betty Sue can say, oh, I should have come to you because I had questions. So take personal responsibility. And then, like I said, run the experiments. Be like a scientist that brings focus and dil discipline. Don't step over anything. The smallest little missed deadline. You got to go back to Betty Sue and say, Betty Sue, I'm confused. I thought you were going to uh, get this to me Tuesday at two o'clock instead of Thursday at eight o'clock. And then put everybody on the step up or step out program so you can evaluate everybody at every level, engage them differently, more effectively, more consistently, and um, and then you'll they'll tell you if they want to step up or not. But you just got to. Get, you know, put that discipline and focus around it, so you'll know. Great stuff, Catherine. So, so listen uh, for our listeners out there. Uh, you probably want to know more about Catherine Halpin and the Halpin Company. So, here's what you do. Number one, she has a complimentary con- confidential consultation available for anybody who hears this. Uh, just call or email, and here's the email address: k. Period. Halpin. H a l p i n at helpincompany.com or go to the website at helpincompany.com. You can call Catherine at 602-266-1961. I'll give that to you again, 602-266-1961. And she has a book out called Alignment for Success, Bringing Out the Best in Yourself, Your Teams, and Your Company. And you'll find that on Amazon. Catherine, I think we, we covered a lot of ground, and you gave us some great, great information today. I really appreciate you coming Thanks. on and sharing with us. Um, and uh, I hope I hope a lot of our listeners take advantage of your offer to get in touch yeah. and, and uh, learn oh, more. Even if we only have a 20-minute telephone conversation and they never hire me, I can give them great value and help them see measurable improvements the very same day we have that chat. So I hope so, too. I hope that, people will reach out. That's terrific. I hope so too. And that's you know that's a hallmark of all of our guests. Everybody that listens to this knows that our our guests are open to conversations without commitment, just to learn more. Uh, and of course, a lot of times that leads to some vast improvements in business. So, Catherine, thank you again so much for coming thank on, and you. I look forward oh, so to the next grateful. time we speak. Yeah, yeah, definitely. All right, Thanks so much. We're gonna take Bye. a sh- we're gonna take a short break, and we'll be right back. Hey everybody, it's Bill Black, the Exit Coach from the Exit Coach Radio Show. One of the questions I get asked the most is how do I grow the value of my business? I'm so busy working in it, I need to work on it. So we've created a special report for you on 10 tips to grow the value of your business. Just text the word DRIVERS to 44222 to get a special free report right to your inbox. That's DRIVERS to 44222. Text DRIVERS to 44222. Thank you for listening to Exit Coach Radio. 